0: going back.
1: scripture of prayer. Will you do that at this time?
2: Praise the Lord. We come to Enter into this temple to give You glory, Lord. We come to praise. Lift You Lord We've
0: Praise Him. I tell you what, that's great music this morning. We got to praise the Lord. You believe that? All right. How about stand for Scripture, please? Psalms 47 says, O clap your hands, all ye people, shout unto God with the voice of triumph, for the Lord most high is terrible. He is a great king over all the earth. He shall subdue the people under us and the nations under our feet. He shall choose our inheritance for us, the excellency of Jacob, whom he loves, Selah. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises unto God, sing praises, sing praises unto our king, sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth, sing ye praises with understanding. God reigneth over the heathen, God sitteth upon the throne of his holiness. The princes of the people are gathered together, even the people of the God of Abraham, for the shields of the earth belong unto God. He is greatly exalted. And she played that song that I wasn't expecting it. I, I had already picked the scripture, just praise the Lord. So I to love praising the Lord. I tell you what, he is good to trust. He is good to praise. He is good for everything that we need. I know we have some people that are sick this morning. Please remember them in prayer. Some have to work today. There's lots of people that can't be here because of that. Some people are on vacation. You know, it's that time of year. So some people are going to travel. But we're glad that you're here. So let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Kind heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise your holy name for this opportunity to come before you in prayer and fellowship, Lord, and in understanding. I pray that you will continue to abide with us and help us, Lord, to take your word and use it to further your kingdom. Lord, help us to reach out to others as we can. Lord, I pray that you will touch those that are sick this morning, those that are home, those that are watching. I pray that you will be with them and lift them up and strengthen them those that have to work today i pray that you will give them everything that they need to be on the job and do what they've got to do to provide for their family lord i pray that those that are traveling on vacation that you will give them rest you will give them peace you will give them that which they need to come back re-energize lord for you pray that you will continue to abide with us be with the pastor this morning as he delivers the message you would have him to give us lord that we can use it to further your kingdom touch us as we sing this morning because we're singing for your glory to lift you up we ask all these things in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen.
1: We're going to ask the ushers, if they would, to come this morning. And uh, as they make their as they make their way this morning, we're going to ask you to bring your tithes and offerings. And then immediately following this, we're going to uh, show a little video to you. But at this time, uh, we're going to pray. And then immediately following the prayer, you can bring those up this morning. Heavenly Father, we pray you would bless this offering. Lord, let it be used for the upbuilding of your kingdom. Bless those that have to give and those that don't
3: have to give. Lord, if there's someone here today who cannot give, Lord, we pray that at some point in time you would
1: bless them to be able to give so they can render back praise and glory for all the many blessings you've bestowed upon them. In Christ's name we pray. The people of God together said amen. Amen. Yeah. And this morning we we're going to go back into worship I'm just thankful that my wife had to work the night that they were doing the pie because she wanted to pie me So I was glad that she didn't get that luxury because she wanted to put it in my hair And that was not going to end well if that happened So hence why there were shower caps that night uh, for that So uh, it takes, uh, but it was a good year So thank you to all that uh, made that happen But we we're here this morning to worship the Lord We're going to declare today that he is the hope that we put our trust in today. So let's declare that today.
2: Oh Lord you were worthy of it are all things, oh, for from you are all things, and to you are all things, you just one more time, for from you are all things, we know it's from you, Lord, for from you are all things, and to you are all things.
3: Father, you truly deserve the glory and the honor. You truly, Lord, are worthy of it all. Every breath that we have in our mortal body has been given by you. Every talent, skill set, singing, musical abilities, anything that we can do in our our finite capabilities, we know they have been given to us by a supreme God who is sitting high above heaven and earth. And so today, On this 26th day of June, we come today and we say to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, we decree and declare in this sanctuary in-house those online and anybody else that might stream this later that we declare truly lord you are worthy you are worthy you are worthy you are worthy to receive all honor and all glory and all power and all majesty and to your name be given all the glory and can the people of god together give the lord the greatest hand clap of praise and truly magnify and glorify and lift up The name that's above every name. The name of Jesus Christ. And we commit this in his care. And the people of God together said amen. 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 You may be seated if you can this morning. are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Well, three of you are. Praise God for you three. I'm glad you're here today. God bless you. Rest of you, hopefully you'll get there before today's over with. Glory to God. Well, we've got a lot of folks out. We've got people out that recently had knee surgeries. We've got people out like Sister Barnes who were sick and others who were battling like the Carlson family who were sick, the Harley family who was sick. Uh, we've got folks traveling out of town, folks working. we got folks everywhere. But I'm like the psalmist David said, but I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. See, some of y'all haven't been here long enough, but there's a song we sing around here. That says that, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And then the, the tag of that song says, so glad, so glad, so glad, so glad. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. See, what you don't know is earlier this week, Sister Dale had knee surgery, but she's home. That's good. Earlier this week, Brother Henry, he wasn't here last Sunday, but Brother Henry on Monday ended up in the hospital with a situation from an AFib situation. But glory to God, he's here this Sunday in church because God is good. You can say whatever you want to. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. There's a lot of people that would trade places with you today that would rather be here than somewhere else this morning. But we're already here, so we might as well take off our little preconceived notions. We should take off our little political coats. We should take off our uppity-up hats. And we might as well just become undignified a little bit this morning. And be Pentecostal for about ten minutes, and just let the Lord know we're glad to be with Him today. We're in God's house, so why don't you just take your shoes off? You're on holy ground. Why don't you just kick back and relax? And welcome to the Father's house this morning. Well, I feel good. If you don't, I must have slept good. I don't know. Maybe it was those two. Maybe it was those two brown sugar cinnamon pop tarts I ate on the way to the church. But one way or the other, I'm going to eat them next Sunday if it makes me feel like this. I'm buying stock in Pop-Tarts. My wife says that's not breakfast, that's the dessert. It says pastry on the box. That sounds like a breakfast item to me. I'm going to eat it no matter what it says on the box. Well, glory. Well, If you have your Bibles, go with me to the book of Exodus. I don't know how long I'm going to be there. I'm about ready to run myself. If I I do, I'm going to tag Pastor Erchberger. He'll come up and preach, and I'll come back in a minute, and I'll let you all figure it out until I get back. Because I've been a lot of places this week. I have seen people like Bonnie Gunn who had a procedure, but God brought her through. I went and visited people like Laura Mae Skipper who shouldn't keep beating all of her odds, but keeps beating all of her odds. And I went to the hospital and saw Sister Dale when she had her knee surgery. But then the very next day it's home and physical therapy saying she's checking off the boxes one by one i was there when brother henry was in the hospital sitting in w4 that means on the wall chair number four for all of you that's never been there before you don't even get a bed anymore you get a chair on the wall that's how important you are i was there that day the next day i show up he's getting wheeled down the hallway when i'm walking in the door i said where are you going he said where are you going i said i'm here to see you he said well i'm going home you can do whatever you want to i'm leaving this place And so I saw that this week. I've seen all the good and the bad and the ugly all week. But I'm telling you, God's been good, church. He's been good to each and every one of us. And I want to remind you, if there's those watching online... And those that are inside this house today We have a right to give God praise We played it earlier We've come to praise Him We've come to praise Him We've come to And lift His holy name Make a joyful noise unto the Lord While you have a chance The Bible said praise Him in the morning We're still in that moment It's not 12 yet But the Bible says praise Him in the afternoon In about 30 minutes it'll be that time It said praise Him in the evening That'll be about 6 o'clock when we come back again And then it said no matter what let out Everything that has breath, let them praise the Lord. Well, if you're here this morning, you have breath, so we might as well praise the Lord today. (laughs) Now, I want to share with you this morning the message that I have felt like God has given me, and I'm not even going to jump into the announcements, we'll get to those later. I'm going to read just a few verses of Scripture. It will be on your screen. When, if you have Exodus chapter 2, I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word. Not because I'm anything special, but, but I think we should honor the Lord. I got it in the screen in the NASB just because that's what I'm reading it from. So you will be able to read what I'm reading, but you can read it through anything. Now there was a man out of the house of Levi that went and married the daughters of Levi. A woman conceived and she gave birth to a son and when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. Somebody say three months. Before I get any further, let me just go ahead and give you a mathematical equation here and some information for all you math scholars. In biblical numerology, the number three has to represent divinity, divine order. There's three parts to the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit. So the number three all throughout Scripture, uh, three is used to to, to denote divine completion or divine orchestration and order. How many days was Jesus in the heart of the earth? Three. Throughout Scripture, you'll find people that fasted three days, three nights. You'll find people uh, uh, that have been in the belly of the whale or the belly of the great fish in Jonah's case. Three days and three nights. You'll see three throughout the Bible. She hid him for three months. But there came a point in time she couldn't hide him no longer. See, sometimes you can't hide things but for so long before they're going to come to light. You might hide them from the preacher. You may even hide them from your family. But at some point, you ain't going to be able to keep them hidden. Because with the things that happen in secret, God's going to open up Openly. The Bible said the things you do in secret, God will reward or show up openly. The things done in the dark will be brought to light. Some things, you can't hide them, but for so long before God's going to bring them to light. When she no longer could hide him, she got some papyrus basket, some, some, some uh, that papyrus uh, uh, Nile bush, and she made a basket and she covered it with tar and pitch and she put her child in it and set it among the reeds. Of the bank of the Nile River. Somebody say, Moses was a basket case. And so are some of you. Because things that have happened in your life have put you to the edge of no return. You have felt like you have walked in places where you're on the banks of life and you're just waiting to drift off somewhere
1: to where nobody will find you.
3: You've been sent off and you're just out there in some kind of la-la land, drifting in the sea of life, going, I don't even know if anybody knows where I'm at. You've cried many tears and you've been through many pain. Don't worry, Moses was the first basket case. You ain't the first one. Then his sister stood at a distance to find out what would happen to him. She put him in the river and she sent him off, y'all. Now, if somebody went to the tailrace canal and just dropped a baby in there and sent it off downstream and you were on your boat tomorrow or next Saturday or whenever you're out on there and you saw it and you opened up and there's a baby in there, you would be mortified. You'd be shocked someone would do that to a child. But the Bible says the divine steps of a good man and a good woman are ordered or orchestrated by God. It just so happened, by coincidence, by happenstance, that Pharaoh's daughter just felt like at that exact time of the day, she needed a shower. (laughs) She could have went and got a bath any other time, but just coincidentally that day, no, no. Divine order. A faithful mama and a praying daddy sent this child of faith down the sea of life. But up the river, (laughs) a little further downstream, Pharaoh's daughter, see what you got to understand Pharaoh had already decreed all these babies To be killed, baby boys Weren't supposed to be living Pharaoh's daughter happens To be bathing in the Nile when one of her Female attendants walking along the Nile And she saw the basket Among the reeds and she sent her Servant girl and it brought it To her, when she opened It she saw the child and she Saw that the boy was crying, she had pity on him And says this is one of the Hebrews' children See sometimes Daddy might say no, but his little baby girl can change daddy's little heart. That's good preaching even if you don't want to hear it today. You know there's some people in your life, and if, you, if it's not your children, it's your grandchildren, don't you sit here and act super spiritual this morning. There's somebody in your life that's got you wrapped around your, their finger, and they can move you like a, a chess piece on a board. You know it. And some of y'all are soon to be grandmothers because some of y'all got families about to have babies. And even if you ain't spoiling them yet, you already calculating how you gonna spoil them before they even get here. The reality of it is, she saw him and she said, "This is one of their children." Then the sister of this baby runs up to Pharaoh's daughter, says, "Well, I know that you're a beautiful young lady, and you've, you know, you probably don't want to have to worry about taking care of the child. Should I go get a woman from?" the Hebrew community who was nursed before Hebrew children, that she could take care of your child for you? Pharaoh's daughter, look what she said. She was excited. She said, absolutely, go ahead. That would be a great idea. So the woman, the girl went and got the baby's mama. Mama sent baby down river. Daughter comes back knocking on the door. You know mama's sitting there thinking, oh God, what is she coming to tell me? Alligator. A boat, what happened to the baby. But when she opens the door, the little girl comes to her mother and she says to her mother, she says, hey, listen. So Pharaoh's daughter found the baby. And it said, take this child away. And mama, she wants you to take care of your own baby. And not only does she want you to take care, she's going to pay you to do it too. Y'all all know right now, y'all wish to God that y'all were Moses' mama right now. <laughs> y'all know y'all wish y'all got paid to watch your own children. So the woman took the child and she nursed him. The child grew and then brought him to Pharaoh's daughter. And he became, as it grew, it became to Pharaoh's daughter as her own son. And she called his name Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. I don't want to talk to you tonight on what you today what you think. You're going to think we're going to talk about, you know, Pharaoh's daughter changing Pharaoh's mind. Or we're going to talk about, you know, Moses and, 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 and his great conquest. And we'll reference that. But I want to tell you, talk to you today about the pangs of purpose. Sometimes what God has placed inside of you and the purpose he has inside of you and the things he's called you to do, they'll never be brought out from you until you walk through some difficult places to appreciate what He has already placed and valued inside of you. The anointing doesn't come without a cost. The call goes without repentance, but but to have the anointing of God on your life, the call of God on your life, to have the power of God on your life, comes with a price tag. It's not cheap. God's grace is not cheap. His mercy is not cheap. And though his love is freely given, it costs something to be able to pay the price for it. The pangs of purpose. Father, to the very best of my ability, help me to preach your word to your people. Don't let us just be hearers of this word, but doers thereof. And forever we will give you the praise, the glory, and the honor that is due your name. In Christ Jesus our Lord we pray. And the people of God together said, amen. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you listen fast, we'll preach fast today. Around 1400 to 1500 B.C. is the time period this story takes place. Joseph, Zaphnath paneah has been out of office, if you will, for some time. He has died, and a new pharaoh has come to power, and, and he's afraid this new pharaoh of the the growing number of Israelite children or Hebrew children. He's afraid of losing control. They have been growing by leaps and bounds and God has continued to show His favor upon His people in a foreign land. But things are quickly changing. This new Pharaoh doesn't have any, oh, any indebtedness to Joseph. He has no regard for Joseph. He's only thinking about himself. So he enslaves the people of God And yet, while they're enslaved, they continue to grow. Now, I want to pause here for a moment before I continue with the introduction part of this message. But do you know that every time the church of the living God has grown in in numerical proportions is when we've all been enslaved? when we have faced intense persecution, when, did the, when the early church grew, they were facing intense persecution on all sides. The pastors were being arrested. They were being thrown in jail. Paul and Silas were being beaten beyond recognition. Peter was being uh, crucified upside down. Other disciples were dying. They were becoming martyrs for the gospel's sake. But the more they persecuted the church, the Bible said the more that God's church prevailed and grew. That's, in the, that's, that's history. Can I tell you that while the world right now may be persecuting us and maybe trying to take advantage of us and maybe even in some capacities trying in their best way to snub us out or to silence us or to keep us from, from being the people of God, but do you realize that the more they put the vice grip of life on us, the stronger God becomes? and the tighter they squeeze us the more all they're doing is compressing and compressing and compressing us but when you compress something long enough it gets real close and it gets real tight and what they don't know is the closer they push us to Jesus and the tighter we get to Jesus the more dangerous we become to the kingdom of darkness the old song says I'm wrapped up I'm tied up and I'm tangled all up in Jesus what we need today is not for the church to be drifting on the sea of life but we need to come together in one mind and in one accord and watch and see what only God can do. So they put this vice grip on these Hebrew children. They decided to kill the babies. They decided to abort the babies. The midwives refused and they couldn't get there fast enough. He commanded soldiers to take the babies and throw them in the river. But then there came a lady and a husband, her husband, a guy by the name of Amram, and his wife was named Yachabed. They already had two children. They had an older son, Aaron, and they had a middle daughter named Miriam. But during this time of enslavement, and most scholars believe Amram, probably like all the other Hebrews, he'd have been some kind of uh, labor force some kind of working slave that helped go out and build all the time and have to collect the bricks and have to collect the mortar and build all of the the ancient uh, uh, pyramids and things of Egypt he would have been there but somehow some way in that enslavement period his wife becomes pregnant with a child she brings forth the life that child and for three months she keeps it a secret She doesn't let anybody know. Can I tell you that even in the darkest hours of our lives, God can do things that the devil doesn't even know is going on behind closed doors. God knows all things, but don't be fooled. The devil is not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. The devil is not omnipotent. He is not all-powerful. And he is certainly not omnipresent. He can't be in the same place all the time. Now, he might have a lot of demons that go around, but he is not like God. He might want to be like God, and he might want to be God, but he is not God. There is only one God eternally existent and three distinct persons, namely the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And there is none like our God, none like him. And so she hid him, but even in the secret places of life, even in the darkest places of life, even in the most challenging places of life, God could be bringing about and birthing inside of us something that the devil doesn't even know what's happening behind closed doors. But the thing God is starting and the thing God is doing is going to deliver the world because of the power of God that rests with inside of them. And the reality of this baby is born, it is hidden, it is, it is in this, this season of isolation. Boy, we've been in isolation in two and a half years, haven't we? Now it's time to bring to life that which God has birthed in us in the last two and a half years. It's time to open up the door swing wide the gate and say I've been in here long enough but as for me and my house not only are we going to serve the Lord but we're getting ready to put the kingdom of darkness in a bad position because we've been isolated long enough but we're coming together in one mind and one accord to uplift the name of Jesus at every, at his name every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is God to the glory of God the Father it is time for the church of the living God to quit tucking our tails and running but swing and open the doors of faith swing open the door of hope swing open the door of love and say come whosoever will let him come and meet this man we call Jesus. So Moses is hidden for three months sit down a river nursed eventually by his own mother. His own mother gets him back. It's a foreshadowing of the life of Christ. The people of God in Jesus' day tried to kill him. Herod made a decree, any baby less than two years old, go find them, kill them. The Bible said Joseph and Mary take off with Jesus and they run away. They hide him for months in a place called, anybody remember where they ran to? Egypt. Go back and read it. When Mary and Joseph fled from Herod, they ran to Egypt. Well, isn't that a funny place to run to? Doesn't God have a sense of humor? Because the last time that the people of God needed deliverance, it came out of Egypt too. Because Moses led them out of Egypt's bondage into a promised land. What Herod didn't know is he sent the deliverer and savior of the world and he hid him back in Egypt just like Moses was hidden in Egypt. God sent his son and hid him for a while in Egypt. But the Bible said that after Herod died that that, uh, Joseph and Mary brought it back and they settled in an area called Nazareth outside of Bethlehem. And for for 30 years Jesus grew up and he grew up and he grew up then he became full of the Holy Spirit full of wisdom and stature and by 33 that is taking the number 3 that Moses has been in this basket and adding a number 3 to it when you put two threes together you get the number 33 so Moses had to be hidden 30 day, uh, 3 months Jesus goes and hides out for a couple months for 33 years Jesus walks on the earth but one day that same deliverer that used to be in Egypt hiding from, from old Herod's decree hung on a cross on Golgotha's hill and he declared three words it is finished that's three words you can't get much more complete than that and he went into the heart of the earth three days and then he stayed in there three nights but on that third morning he got up and there was three words he is risen you can't get much more complete than that and can i tell you that one day that eastern sky's going to split open and every eye shall see and every tongue shall confess that there's still a deliverer in the name of jesus christ So there we are in Egypt. Moses is nursed by his mother, nursed by his own family, foreshadows the priest, prophet, lawgiver, savior, and mediator, Christ Jesus. He is a foreshadowing or a prototype of this man called Jesus. But Jesus faced difficulties in his life. Moses faced difficulties in his life. Jesus experienced pangs which are intense, sharp pain. They're just, they're worse than pain. They're like these sharp, just, they're just excruciatingly painful. Jesus, because of his body being bruised and battered and beaten, he also felt excruciating pain and pangs in his life. But so have you. Some of us in this room, we've walked through difficult seasons. Seasons we thought we'd never in a million years ever have to walk through. Never thought we'd face. And if we did think we'd face them, we didn't think we'd face them. As soon as we faced them, we thought we had plenty of time before we'd ever have to face it. They were hard days. They were difficult days. Some of us in this room, pastor included, know what it means to have pains. Intense, excruciating pain. Not Some of it might be physical, yes. But some of us have felt the excruciating pangs and pains of life emotionally. Something just ripped our heart out, stomped on it, put the shocks on it, tried to revive it, then stabbed it again just so we make sure we felt every pain in it. Emotionally, we were distraught, broken, crushed. Some of us have felt it maybe even physically. Lots of people have experienced it spiritually. Hello? I just said it last Wednesday night, and I said it in our leadership training meeting yesterday. There's a lot of people God weeded out through this last two and a half years. He really weeded out who meant business and who didn't. Because a lot of fluff, a lot of the chaff, you know, the wheat and the chaff, a lot of the chaff has drifted off. Some of us in this church know we've had a lot of people drift in the last two and a half years. They ain't come back. They were just like the, the chaff. They were just blowing in the wind. God separated the things that were just flying around to the things that were of good stock or of good support and good source. But do you realize God has a calling for every one of us in this building? Not everybody will be the preacher. Not everybody will be the singer or the musician. I tell them all the time. I told them in leadership training yesterday. I can't play this instrument, and that instrument, these three instruments, that instrument, sing all at the same time. It is impossible. Nobody can do that. So if I'm playing here, then there's got to be a, somebody like Sister Carol who can play this. Well, if I'm here, there's got to be a brother Tyler or a brother Larry who can keep rhythm for me because I can't be over here while I'm over there. I can't split myself and clone myself to these places. I can't be playing a bass guitar and the drums and the piano. i got to have a brother Dennis or I've got to have a brother Randy play the guitar because I can't be there too. So we all are a part of a greater plan. Wednesday night we talked about the body of Christ. We're all a part of a greater plan. But the reality of this is... That each and every one of us have a purpose while we're here. You say, Well, Pastor, I don't sing. Well, if you already know that, thank God, so I don't have to tell you. That's awesome. That saves me the headache of having to be like, Yeah, honey, no, please don't. Please don't. If you if you know you don't like children, thank you for not volunteering to be the children's church director. We appreciate that. We don't want a jail ministry yet. We'll visit you there, but that ain't how we wanted to start it. We don't want to be in the paper. For that kind of publicity. The reality of it is this, though, we all have a purpose. For I have plans for you, says the Lord plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. You say, Well, Pastor, one thing I'm good at is I know how to pray. Good. We need you. I need you more than I need some of the other things around here. We need prayer. Well, Pastor, I, I don't I'm not really a singer, I'm not really a musician, and I like to cook. Praise God. We have a ministry called Owl, Outreach with Love. When somebody passes away, we try to prepare food for them. Guess what? We'll call you. We need your Spatula and spoons. Start going and pulling out your favorite recipes. I'll call you soon. We'll be having a homecoming or some event. I'll be calling you to cook. See, we all have a purpose for why we're here. Because once we no longer have a purpose for being here, guess what happens? We get taken to glory. But God leads us here because He still has a purpose for our existence on this side of heaven. And there are a lot of people living in this world that are not saved and they are missing out on their God-given purpose and don't even realize that they're not living up to the potential that God called them to be. When we talk about this purpose, there's some things you have to understand. Before you can ever discover your purpose, you probably are going to discover your pain. You're going to feel heartache. You're going to shed tears. You're going to be broken. You're going See, the Bible never says I'm not going to experience it. It says I'm not going to have to fall victimized to it. I was crushed, but not abandoned. I've been struck down, but not destroyed. I've been perplexed on every side, the Apostle Paul says, but God, but God. I was was crushed, but he was always with me. I was struck down but he didn't let me be that they didn't let me have that three count and count me out he let me have a little bit more breath in my body i might have been perplexed on every side but there was a god who got me through it one more time doesn't mean i'm not going to go through it it just doesn't mean i don't have to go through it alone See, that's the thing about the beauty of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. The world's going to experience pain. The world's going to have tragedy. But I don't have to do it alone because I have God on my side. Mother, Moses' mother knew pain. Her father and mother had... knew His father and mother had knew that if the wrong person discovered this baby, it would be put to death. In chapter 1, We know why they were being put to death. You see, they were enlisting people to take care of this. They didn't realize, though, that what they were trying to kill was the Savior, or what we would call the Prince of Egypt. It's just like the story of Ruth. You don't think Ruth went through some heartache? Naomi and her husband, Elimelech, they leave a place called Bethlehem. Anybody know where Jesus was born? Bethlehem. (laughs) Boy this story just starts connecting all together doesn't it? See the Bible can be fun to read for those of you that's ever done it. You'll get that in a minute. Maybe you won't get that in a minute. Alright moving on. Elimelech and Naomi leave with their sons Malon and Chilion because they say there's no bread in the the house of bread. Bethlehem is known as the house of bread. They're in a famine. Boy, it's a sad day when the house of bread don't produce bread. Isn't it a sad day when people come to church but they don't leave any different because we didn't offer them nothing better? That's basically like offering them to come to the house where Jesus said, I am the living bread. I am the bread of life. He that comes to me and come after me, they won't have to thirst. They'll never have to hunger and thirst again. But people come to church but they can sit on our pews, not feel convicted, not feel chastised, and certainly not feel changed. Something is wrong when I can go to church and live in sin. Facts. Something's wrong. If I can sit in a church service knowing I'm living against God's word but I don't feel any different, something is wrong in that moment. Malon and Chilion meet two beautiful girls in the land of Moab. One's named Orpah. One's named Ruth. Time comes, Limelech dies. Naomi wasn't expecting that. But she still had two sons, two daughter-in-laws, and she was hoping one day for grandchildren. well, Malon dies. Well, I still got one son in law, lo- one son and two daughter-in-laws. Well, Chilean dies. Now I'm stuck with two daughter-in-laws. I'm not gonna ask y'all to raise your hand, but I don't I wonder how many of you would love to be stuck with your daughter-in-laws or your son-in-laws rather than your children. Some of y'all ain't gonna want to raise your hand this morning. I can tell you that right now. Some of y'all be like, mm, preacher, I think I'd like that to be the opposite way. Let the daughter-in-laws and the son-in-laws go and let me keep the children. She's stuck with two daughter-in-laws. They don't even believe like her. Don't go to the same church she goes to. Doesn't have the same upbringing. These two daughter-in-laws know nothing about God. Spirit-filled woman with two heathen daughter-in-laws and nobody to rescue her. (laughs) That's a bad situation. So she says, I'm going back. I hear there's there's bread back in the house above them. I'm going home. I'm going home. Orpah says, see ya. Good knowing you, Mama Naomi. I'm going to find me another good strapping young man. I'm still in my prime. I'm still young. I'm still beautiful. You're annoying. I'm leaving. I'm not hanging out with my mother-in-law if I don't have to. I'm not married to your son. I certainly ain't hanging out with my mother-in-law for fun. So she leaves her. Not Ruth. Not Ruth. Ruth says, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people, my people. Your God, my God. We know the story. They get back to Bethlehem. Naomi sends her into a field. I'm not going to, to talk about the kinsman redeemer for time's sake. She goes to this field, happens to fall into a field by the guy by the name of Boaz. Boaz notices her. He tells all of his little workers while all the ladies of the town are at the edge of the field picking up scraps from this been left over from the harvesting. He says, hey, when you see that lady walk in the field, y'all just drop it on purpose. Just, just go ahead and just take your basket and like trip. and Half of it fall out your basket. That's a pretty good day. He liked her. Hello, church. He liked her. He thought she was cute. You know people do stupid things when they think a girl's cute. You know people lose their mind. They lose all sorts of reality. You don't think I don't lose all sorts of reality. When Brianna walks in the room, ask her. I lose my mind. I do stupid. I'll be walking to Walmart, she'll be at Target or wherever she's shopping. I'll drop her off at the front door. I'll swing around. I'll see her walking out and I'll roll down the window. I'll be like, "What's up, good looking? How you doing?" (laughs) You know what she does? Walks past the car like she don't know who I'm talking to. Every time. Or I'll whistle, and she'll act like she don't even know who's the idiot doing that. All the time. And then we'll, I'll walk, she'll be all the way down to PetSmart. She'll get in the car and say, you have to again. I'll kill you. You know, I mean, you know, it's, it's just we have a love. We just love each other so much. No aggression. But people do that. Well, well, Boaz does this. But that's not where the story ends, that she just got handfuls on purpose. God wanted her to own the field. Think about it. He didn't want her just to come by the field and get a little bit here and there. He wanted her to own the field. Because some of us that are walking in the ways that we live in, and we, if we trust the Lord, God doesn't want us just to get a little bit to get by. He wants us to own the field. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed beg for bread. Ruth got to own the field. Moses, she, he's experienced pain. Ruth, she's experienced pain. But out of all of their pain, their purpose is brought to light. Moses was not designed to just stay in Egypt. Moses ended up killing a man. Y'all know the story. I don't, I don't have to tell you this whole story. Moses was taken from poverty to prosperity. He was taken from an uneducated pauper to a prince. Ruth went from a widow to a woman of historical implications. First Peter 2 and 9 says we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, A people set aside for God's own possession that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who have called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. God called Moses out. He drew Moses out. He let Moses lead a a chosen nation. His brother would start the tribe of Levi in terms of the, the priesthood, the order of the priesthood. God has called us out of darkness. God has called us to be a royal priesthood. We were created for a purpose and God wants us to use that purpose for the glory of His kingdom. We were drawn out. But as as our pain comes out and we discover what our purpose is inside of us, then oftentimes we become passionate about it. You know, somebody really likes to do something we call it they're passionate about that. Some hobby. They're, that's their passion. Some people like to hunt. They're passionate about it. They're good at it. They, 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 they got 10 minutes of freedom. They're running out the door to get into a tree stand somewhere. Somebody's building something. Somebody's creating something. For my for my wife, if she has 10 minutes where she's not sleeping or she's not working, it's baking. That is her thing. She even has a little book called Bake Like Bree. That she thought one day she was going to own her own LLC company. I'm waiting for that to come into existence, praise the Lord. Not for me to eat it, but for me to sell it uh, so that people buy it because uh, I want to go eat. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, but, but, but we, that's her passion. If she has free time. She loves baking cakes and she loves baking pies and she loves baking uh, all sorts of things. In fact, Ms. Brenda, what's the best thing she makes? peanut butter balls, you can't get much better than those things, they are they are like kisses of angels on those things, they are so good they also are kisses of weight too, but they're good for you it's good fat. they're good fat it's, it's saturated fat, it's good ones um, but but she loves it that's her passion, for other people you, you burn water you couldn't cook peanut butter balls, you can't even boil a pot of water right, hello preacher somebody felt conviction in that, I know it. I felt it my passion is sports I watch sports. I can tell you just about everybody's statistical average on some football, basketball, or baseball game. Brandi'll sit by the couch. She'll watch for about 10 minutes after that. She's on her computer, on her phone or asleep, and she's like, this is boring. <laughs> she's like, maybe it's better in real life. And I'm like, how can you insult
1: these people like this?
3: <laughs> Point to be made is everybody has a passion. Moses got passionate. He killed a man. See, what happened was, is that When we realize our pain, through our pain, we'll become passionate. And when we become passionate, though it comes with pain, that passion helps us forget all that we've gone through. Pain and passion are identical twins. Because sometimes the things that we walk through that are excruciatingly painful is what's going to bring about the things that we are most passionate about. For an example, people that are advocates for adoption, a lot of times people who can't have children of their own, so they're passionate about making sure other people can have children of their own. See, people oftentimes will take what they have experienced in pain and they will become what we call advocates to stop other people from being in that pain. You know the best way to help somebody who's lost a loved one is to have experienced losing a loved one because you know what it feels like. If you've ever been through a divorce, you can help someone like that because you know what it's like not to have an appetite. You know what it's like to have sleepless nights. You know what it's like to have your children in disarray. You can help them because you're passionate about helping other people not feel the same things you've been through. That's your passion. Moses gets passionate He's a Hebrew by trade. Think about it. Little mama has nursed him, coddled him, sang all the little sweet Israeli lullabies to him and raised him up. But even though he's been shipped off to the palace, he still remembers the songs of Zion that mama put inside of him. One day he kills a man, he flees. Ends up in a time of testing. We're not going to go there. The old adage though, you can take a boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. You can dress up a pig, put lipstick on it, and put a little tutu on it, but it's still a pig. I don't care how pretty you make it. You can make it a cute pig, but it's still a pig. <laughs> Call it what you want to. I see pigs. I see breakfast. Y'all see little cute animals. Y'all are like, oh, look at that. That's a cute little... And y'all but like, Brandon's over there picking up the slop in her hands, letting it come <coughs> right out of her hands. And I'm like, that is disgusting. Don't you ever hold my hand again forever. That is nasty. She's over there. It's just the cutest little thing. I said, It is a cute thing. It looks like bacon. We can't kill it. She said one time, let's get a pig. I said, For what? She said, because it'd be so cute. I said, I'll get one. She said, Really? I said, Yes, that is ham and bacon. And she said, We can't kill it. I said, Then we can't have it. <laughs> it's food. I'm not here to I'm not here to get attached. I'm here to eat. <laughs> I don't know. But, but the reality of it is. You can take people out of a situation, but sometimes you can't take the situation out of them. You might have walked through a valley of the shadow of death. You may have experienced some tragedy. But even though you may come out of that tragedy and be on this side of the mountain, you never forgot the tragedy you've been through. You've never forgotten the tears you cried. You never forgot the heartache. It doesn't mean that you can't recover. It doesn't mean that you can't get better. What it means is you may have come out of a situation. But if you're not careful, the situation has not come out of you yet. You may not be still in the situation. I see it all the time in counseling. People come. You'd be surprised how many people have compartmentalized and put in their spirit... And have let it be suppressed for sometimes 20 and 30 years, things they have not let go of. And then when it resurfaces up, it literally is like a bomb that goes off. They emotionally just implode because something that has happened 20, 30 years ago, but they kept suppressing it, suppressing it, suppressing it. And what's ended up happening, when it finally hits the surface or there's a trigger or something brings it back to their memory, remember, remember they have a major regression. Why? Because they're not in the situation, they're 20 years past the situation, but the situation's not out of them. That's how the devil wants it to be. He
1: wants you to be held captive by the things in your past. But what he doesn't realize is the things of your past are only going to promote you to the things God has for you in his
3: future. He's going to use your pangs of purpose and He's going to promote you into a land of prominence and a land of peace and a land of prosperity. God will take everything the enemy meant for evil and He'll do what? He'll turn it for good. Passion. You see, we can't quit teaching our children. We can't quit teaching our youth and our church family because there's a time that those teachings will be all that they have left to hold on to when everything else crumbles around them. Most of the time, the greatest leaders are often people that are misfits. Just because you live in, like in Moses' case, just because you live in the palace doesn't mean you belong in the palace. We're getting ready to go to heaven one day. Just because we've got mansions of illustrious creation by God himself doesn't mean we deserved it. We're only getting it because he's a good God. We don't deserve it. Don't deserve to live there. Moses was passionate. You know what I like about the pains of purpose? Not only do you go through pain, Miss Carol, you can come. Not only do you go through pain, not only does it discover your purpose, and not only do you become passionate, but I love that God will supply all of my needs according to His eternal riches in Christ Jesus. He will provide. He will provide for me. Moses wanders for 40 years in isolations. Moses is doing methodical day to day just walking around walking around 40 years of wandering in his own thoughts 40 years of thinking I'll never go back I'm never going back to Egypt I'm never going to go see my family again mom and daddy didn't run with me mom and daddy are probably still somewhere in Egypt or the kids grandkids somebody's still in Egypt I'm a failure I'm hurt too bad. My life is over 40 years of being lost in his own thoughts. There's nothing worse to feel like you're in the desert all alone and get lost in your thoughts with the devil. That's a bad place to be. Because the devil wants you isolated so that he can put those thoughts in you. That's why the Apostle Paul says, Let this mind be in you that's in Christ Jesus. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because the devil wants to have a field day in your mind. Moses for 40 years walking around in his own thoughts. That's a dangerous place. Could y'all imagine if I was lost in thought for 40 years and then came back and preached? That'd be a scary Sunday, wouldn't it? Y'all do not even like me being lost in thought for a week. Must last 40 days. But one day, Brother Wendell, I don't know if it was Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I don't care what day it was. Moses got up, got his little annoying flock of sheep the old Shepherd Moses that he was has got us. He's a shepherd boy now. He used to be sitting there eating grapes and melons and cucumbers and living wearing clothes that were more expensive than anybody else in the land could afford. Now he's in some hand-me-down cloak, a staff, a grungy beard, out in the sweat of the smoldering heat of the desert with a bunch of stinky dumb sheep. That's a big change of life thought you talk about going through a midlife crisis that's about as midlife crisis you can get he's walking through but one day he sees a bush and he goes i've never seen anything why is that bush not burning oh i've seen tumbleweed run through the desert i've seen fire start, but i've never seen anything be on fire and not burn you know the story we talked about him taking the shoes off we've preached on that topic before But how can you be a shepherd to God's people if you've never been through the training of knowing how to orchestrate leading in desert places? Because if you study where Moses was the shepherd to the sheep physically, when he went back to get the children of Israel and God finally set them free and provided a way of an escape for them out of Egypt's bondage, do you know where he had to go? The same wilderness he just came out of. Sometimes God will let us walk through seasons. Only so that when we have the next generation come behind us. We can take the Rileys and the Madisons. And the Coltons and the McKenzies and the Masons and the Storms. And say listen here. I've been there. I've done that. I've walked there. I've sweated there. I've cried there i've had pain there i've lost my mind over there i've lost every functioning ability of my thought processes over there but let me tell you I'm not going to let you go the same way and be alone you're going to go with me this time even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death you don't have to fear evil for I've already been there that's why God as the great shepherd could say I've been through the valley of the shadow of death I've been through those places you don't have to go alone Moses literally led the people of God right back to the wilderness he just came out of but this time he knew how to handle the wilderness he remained strong in his faith he prayed quail from heaven he prayed manna to fall in the morning he made rocks split open and create water through the power of God How could he do that? Because he had been in the wilderness and seen God make a way where there seemed to be no way. So when the rest of the people came along, he could say, God, I've already been here. I know God can make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see, but he will make a way for me. Say, well, pastor, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I'm going through. Well, let me help you this morning. I may not. But whatever your trial, God sees it. Whatever your struggle, God knows it. Whatever you have cried about, God has listened. Whatever your difficulty is, God cares. Whatever your problem is, God understands. Whatever you need, God will provide. You don't have to worry, you don't have to fret. The old song says My God has never failed me yet For I've got confidence That God's going to see me through No matter what the case may be I know He's going to fix it for me I've come by to tell somebody This afternoon, this morning And this afternoon Whatever you've been through No matter how painful No matter how bad it's been God has called you here for a purpose God's left you here for a purpose God still has a plan for you But God will provide Even when you don't think You can get up in the morning and put the clothes on your back. God will make a way. He still will provide for His children. Will you stand all over the house today with every head bowed and every eye closed? I wonder this morning if somebody would say, Pastor, I have been through some things, whether it's currently, or whether it's in your past. You say, Pastor, I've been through some difficult places, some difficult seasons. And I've experienced some of the things you have talked about today. And I just want to be prayed for today. I want the Lord to refresh me and renew me and and just give me that sense of passion and purpose again. And help me to walk in His ways and be a witness and an ambassador for Him. If you can say that today, I want you to just slip your hand. No one looking around and say, Pastor, will you just pray for me today? Yes, yes, I see your hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord here's what I want us to do really quickly and effectively if you're able I know the people that have raised their hands and I know the people who didn't God knows more than I do but I want us as the people of God to each one of us individually search our heart And God, let God speak to you. Let you have your own encounter with Him, your own burning bush experience or your own wilderness experience where God speaks to you right now. So I'm going to open up these altars. You can come. Those that were willing to come, if you'll come and make an altar up here and you and God talk. Those, if you want to stay at your seat, that's fine. But can we all join, whether it's in the altar or in our pews. Can you take a moment and you and God talk? Will you come, will you, will, you, will you pray together Will you search the Lord while, while they play Will you come and just search the Lord And talk to the Lord Whatever you have need of Will you just come and talk to God We'll pray with you But will you just come and leave it to the, to the foot of the cross And give it to God don't, don't, don't carry this burden back home with you Don't carry this care alone Will you come today And will you let the Lord speak to your heart today In Jesus name Father, you are so good to us. You are gracious to us. You are faithful to us. You are a deliverer, a sustainer, and a giver of life. I pray that this message doesn't just sit in our spirits today, but we take this message home with us and let it speak to our hearts this week and remind us throughout this week that no matter what we face, the pain, the frustrations, the agonies, end of the day there's a God who's still a providing miracle working God in our situation for that we love you and praise you and glorify your name we want to declare this today over you today before we're dismissed as a prayer blessing to you we want this is the Aaronic covenant we want to decree and declare today that the Lord is going to be faithful to you today and he's going to see you through you guys help me today. We sing. The Lord bless you
2: and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you
3: and give Can we declare amen? So be it to the Lord. Amen. Ah, Praise our Benedictory prayer. Can we say our church proclamation together? Can we say it together? Let the words, of my mouth, and the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I love you. God bless you today, brother Randy.
0: Kind heavenly of Father, we do thank you and praise your holy name for the word that was given to us today, Lord. Pray that you will continue to abide with us and help us, Lord. Help us to dedicate ourselves more to you, Lord. I pray that you will continue to lead each one of us back. Be with us and keep us, for we ask in Jesus' holy precious name.